Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of 15-Minute Devotional. Uh, This is an online video and podcast series for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. And for any viewers on Facebook and YouTube and for listeners to the podcast on Melvin Gaines' Faith Channel, my name is Melvin Gaines. Uh, This program will continue to encourage viewers and listeners to get into God's Word and stay in the Word. Uh, That's the whole purpose of this uh, program. And it's going to allow us to cover... Uh, the, the readings that take place on Wednesdays uh, of a particular week. Today's program, we're covering the daily reading for Wednesday, June the 28th, 2023. And this is all for the glory and honor of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, we encourage participation in the two-year Bible reading plan. That's what our church endorses. It allows the reader to cover the entire Bible over a two-year period. In this particular devotional that we do, Our program presents the passages for today, and then we make some verbal notes about the content as we go. Now, but when you're doing your devotional time, you're going to be just reading through the passages that cover about a seven to ten minute period of time, and that's followed by the last five to eight minutes of uh, time for reflection of the readings and closing it out in prayer. That's why we refer to it as a 15-minute devotional. It's a very easy way to go through the Bible very quickly in a two-year period. Now, we encourage all participants to follow this pattern as they develop their best habits for reading, studying, and meditating on God's Word. It can't be any more important than it is today to do exactly that. Now, you can read the Bible for more than 10 minutes a day, of course, but the bottom line is we want to establish good habits every day by putting forth this type of program and encouraging you to be in the Word. So let's go ahead and get started for today. Our passages for today that we're going to be reviewing are in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 14, verse 28 through uh, Deuteronomy 15, 23. Uh, Then we have Luke, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. We have Psalm 72, verses 1 through 14. And we have Proverbs 18, verses 2 and 3. That's going to be the reading for Wednesday, June 28, 2023. Amen. So we appreciate you being here. Let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time that you have given to us to once again get before you, get before you, and hear what your word has to say to us. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in all conversation, all discussion. And Lord, may we always be sensitive to you as far as what you're trying to show us and teach us. And we give you praise and thanks in all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everyone, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Deuteronomy chapter 14. We're going to read uh, verse 28 and 29. It's covering the last two passages in that chapter where the essence of the chapter essentially was uh, about tithing and giving of tithes. And we'll comment on that very briefly after we do the complete reading. And then in chapter 15, it diverts over into um, the sabbatical year and what, how that's supposed to be treated and handled. And, of course, this is written to the Israelites at that time. So let's start with the reading. Deuteronomy 14, verse 28. Let's get to verse 28. And then we'll flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 15 and read all the way through to verse 23. So let's get started. Deuteronomy 14, 28. Uh, All of our readings are in the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. At the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. 
Give it to the Levites who will receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to the foreigners living among you, the orphans, the widows, and the widows in your towns, so they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. Let's go to chapter 15, verse 1. At the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. This is how it must be done. Everyone must cancel the loans they have made to their fellow Israelites. They must not demand payment from their neighbors or relatives, for the Lord's time of release has arrived. Verse 3. This release from debt, however, applies only to your fellow Israelites, not to the foreigners living among you. There should be no poor among you, for the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he is giving you as a special possession. You will receive this blessing if you are careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. Remember that statement. Verse 6, the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised. You will lend, you will lend money to many nations, but will never need to borrow. You will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone, because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always, always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. If a fellow Hebrew sells himself or herself to be your servant and serves you for six years. In the seventh year, you must set that servant free. Verse 13, when you release a male servant, do not send him away empty-handed. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I am giving you this command. But suppose your servant says, I will not leave you because he loves you and your family, and he has done well with you. In that case, take an awl and push it through his earlobe into the door. After that, he will be your servant for life. And do the same for your female servants. You must not consider it a hardship when you release your servants. Remember that for six years they have given your services worth double the wages of hired workers, and the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. You must set aside for the Lord your God all the firstborn males from your flocks and herds. Do not use the firstborn of your herds to work your fields, and do not shear the firstborn of your flocks. Instead, you and your family must eat these animals in the presence of the Lord your God each year at the place he chooses. But if this firstborn animal has any defect, such as lameness or blindness, or if anything else is wrong with it, you must not, not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Instead, use it for food for your family and your hometown. Anyone, whether ceremonially clean or unclean, may eat it, just as anyone may eat a gazelle or deer. 
Verse 23, but you must not consume the blood. You must pour it out on the ground like water. Okay, that is Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 15, 23. There are two passages that we read in Deuteronomy chapter 14 that are worth noting. This had to do uh, at the time with making sure that you were giving, storing away uh, what was necessary um, for food, and then giving to the Levites, because the Levites did not have an allotment of land. And it had to do with giving a tenth of what you had towards at least the proceeds of making sure that the Levites, those people who were held high by God as in esteem by God for uh, caring for the tabernacle, caring for the um, the things that had to do with the tabernacle, that's what their responsibility was. The priests were also part of that group. And this is how the people of Israel were to give them what they needed to be able to live and be sustained uh, as they moved about uh, until they, in, in fact, inherited their land. So... Um, and what we need to understand here, too, is that we talk about giving and, and tithing and a tenth being necessary. A tenth is a guideline, and that's something that, of course, was established for the people back at that time. They had to have guidelines because this was all about a matter of making sure they were being obedient in all that they did before the Lord. And that was what was necessary. And, of course, the, the end result of this is that the Lord your God is going to bless you in all your work because you're doing exactly what he is commanding you to do. Now, jump over to uh, chapter 15 as we move into this section about debts being canceled after the seventh year and how everyone must cancel any obligations or loans. Um, it's the seventh year. It's a jubilee year. It was also a, a year a time when the land, there was a break being taken on the land uh, as far as building of crops or doing whatever was necessary. But look at the theme of this, and, and I'll just mention this very, very quickly. This was all about being obedient to the Lord. This was all about paying attention to what the Lord is saying. He is giving instructions on how to handle money, how to handle the things that are available to them, and making sure that if they do what the Lord tells them, they're always going to be prosperous. They're not going to need to take loans out from anyone else. They're not going to have a problem with it. As long as they're being generous, as long as they're being fair, and just follow these commands, and the Lord is going to bless you in everything you do. It's repeatedly said throughout the passage. In 1510, it says the same thing. The Lord's going to bless you for what you do. And he also made a, a very important point here in verse 11, which will talk about the people and the, and the people who are servants and slaves. There will always be some in the land who are poor. And I'll read the verse again. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. So we we can have a philosophical discussion about what it is to have servants and servanthood. But the reality is there are always going to be people in our society, people that we walk amongst who are, who don't have a lot, who don't have much to offer except their own hands um, the, the way they do things, the way that they can take care and be taken care of by serving other people. So this is not so much about advocating uh, someone to be a servant. It's something that some people uh, readily, if they want to eat and if they want to be taken care of, that's what they're going to have to do. And that's exactly what these people were here that we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 15. And the servants, and, and of course God is reminding us of something very important here, 
Look at verse 15 again, Deuteronomy 15, 15. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That's why I'm giving you this command. He wants the people to treat these servants fairly and give them their due respect. Even though they are servants, they don't have anything. They don't have much. The Lord's reminding them this is exactly where you were at one point in your life. And you should be humbled and recognize that God is blessing you with what you have right now. And while these people are, are not able to do the things that you're doing, you take care of them anyway. You act in the right manner to them. And if someone wants to stay with you, if a servant wants to stay with you, you have a right to do so. But after seven years, if they need to be released, let them go to where they choose to go. And some may choose to leave and some may not. That's their decision. That's their choice. But at the end of the day, you treat them fairly. In other words, no one should be up under you, um, obviously, with servitude uh, for the enti their entire lives. That's not what is intended here in this passage. It's showing balance. It's showing that the Lord wants you to think beyond yourself and think about other people. And I think that that's exactly the, the lesson that we need to have here as well, too. Um, make sure that you're not, that the food that you have, you're not um, uh, sacrificing it to the Lord your God if it's not perfect, if it's not as specified according to the law. There was a way to handle those things as well, too. You could use it as food. You just couldn't uh, drink the blood from it. You had to pour it out in the ground. The bottom line is that that's, there was a proper way of doing things. And God is saying he's going to bless you if you're obedient to his word. Amen. That's the essence of this passage. You're welcome to look at some commentaries about this. And they go a little bit deeper into it than I just did. But for the sake of time, we have to kind of move on. But I think there are lessons here that we need to see about human behavior. How to treat people. How to also give honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your actions will do that. Your obedience to his word will do those very things. And that's exactly what I would take away from this passage and giving it a really quick look, uh, look at over what's going on here. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We've got six verses in Luke 9. And it's actually just covering the essential part of Scripture where Jesus is sending forth um, the, the 12 uh, disciples. Uh, soon to be apostles, if, if you want to look at it from that standpoint. But let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 1. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse 3, take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag food, money, or even a change of clothes. Whenever, Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circuit of villages, of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. Now, something very important for us to see here, too, is that when... Uh, Jesus gave this charge to the disciples to go out and do exactly what? Preach and heal. Preach and heal. That was their mission. That was what God had, uh, through Jesus Christ, had given them as far as their responsibility. And we need to understand and see, too, that this sign of healing, along with the gospel, 
was the biggest way I believe that that Jesus gave attention to his ministry. All of a sudden, people were having were being healed miraculously from ailments that they had had all their entire lives, and these ailments were uh, a form of bondage, and they were being released from this bondage, and it came directly from Jesus. But now these disciples would be able to have the ability to do the very same thing. Peter could heal the sick and raise the dead. Paul could heal the sick and raise the dead as well, too. These, this was the proof that they were indeed the apostles, the true apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so note that it was not something they would always be able to do. This was for an appointed time that they would be able to do this healing. They would always be able to preach the gospel. That's not something that would be... Uh, removed from their responsibility. They would always be doing that. But for this set time, they had the ability also to provide healing as well, too, because we know that uh, that healing was transformed into essentially from the physical to the spiritual, where we read about it in the Word. We read about it in God's Word. Remember, at this time, there was no New Testament to refer to, but now as that New Testament was being penned out later after Jesus had left and uh, from the ascension, he had died on the cross and had left. We know now that there is a healing that will take place, um, ultimately through the belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But we're not talking about necessarily physical healing. We're talking about spiritual healing. But physical healing was the catalyst for, to get people to really pay attention to who these men were who were going about and give the direction back to Jesus Christ as being the one who was responsible for it. And so, as you know, over time, uh, Jesus became more and more popular, and he became more and more of a figure of attention uh, during these different travels. And many people were asking questions. If you continued in your reading in Luke chapter 7, you noted that uh, Herod uh, of Galilee was also puzzled about who Jesus was. And, and even though... Uh, John had been beheaded at this point. It's already been done. He still kept trying to find out who Jesus was. He was still curious about him because his fame was continuing to grow. And so that's something that we need to understand as well here too. And there were many more miracles that would take place, not just the healings, but also um, the whole feeding of the people, 5,000 plus people. And all those things would be continuing on as part of Jesus' ministry. But here, this is where the disciples, um, soon to be known as the apostles, were also uh, able to complete this just to draw attention to the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ and who he was. Okay, Psalm 72. Psalm 72. We're going to read through verses 1 through 14. Now, just so you know, uh, this is um, the first, I'll read through the passage, and we'll go, we'll go over this one here, too, to, and explain what this is all about. Uh, verse 1, Psalm 72. A Psalm of Solomon, give your love of justice to the king, O God, and righteousness to the king's son. Help him judge your people in the right way. Let the poor always be treated fairly. May the mountains yield prosperity for all, and may the hills be fruitful. Help him to defend the poor, to rescue the children of the needy, and to crush their oppressors. May they fear you as long as the sun shines, as long as the moon remains in the sky. Yes, forever. Verse 6. May the king's rule be refreshing like spring rain on freshly cut grass, like the showers that water the earth. 
May all the godly flourish during his reign. May there be abundant prosperity until the moon is no more. May he reign from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Desert nomads will bow before him. His enemies will fall before him in the dust. The western kings of Tarshish and other distant lands will bring him tribute. The eastern kings of Sheba and Seba will bring him gifts. All kings will bow before him and all nations will serve him. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and the needy and he will rescue them. He will redeem them from oppression and violence for their lives are precious to him. Now, if you look at this very clearly here, very carefully, you'll notice that this is, it says initially here in this passage that this is a Psalm of Solomon. Well, in this particular case, if you go all the way to the end of Psalm 72, it notes this ends the prayers of David, son of Jesse. David is praying for his son, Solomon, who is going to be the king. Um, and, of course, he is praying for what? The best. The best for his son. He is praying uh, for his son to be the leader that God had chosen him to be. Um, and what we're looking at, too, also here is a mirror a way of also mentioning about the reign of Christ and his kingdom. So there's usually in some of these passages uh, duplicate meanings of what we're reading. Of course, we know about Solomon's uh, kingdom. It probably are, arguably was the largest ever uh, in the world. Everyone knew who he was. Everyone had respected him and revered him. He would receive much praise. I noticed that the mention of the king of Sheba would also be coming to give regards to who Solomon was and of course we know the Queen of Sheba did that very thing as well too uh, and what sought out Solomon for his wisdom and just to meet him and see who this person was and bring him gifts and but the, so that's essentially what uh, David's prayer is for his son and we notice that there is this reference obviously to um, how indeed it's about Solomon's success, but it's also about mirroring this as well to Jesus Christ reigning in righteousness at one point in the future when he indeed will uh, claim his kingdom as rightfully he should and because he will. And he indeed had performed the acts of making sure that people were saved with his uh, mission on earth the first time when he died on the cross and was resurrected. And now when he returns again, he will be king and he will reign on earth for a thousand years and he will reign eternally in the new Jerusalem and heaven um, with all of us as well, too. So new heaven and a new earth is forthcoming and we look forward to that glorious day. All right. One more passage. Proverbs chapter 18, verses two and three. Proverbs 18, verses two and three. And. This, again, the Proverbs are written for a young man who is looking for and seeking wisdom. And Proverbs, of course, are loaded with wisdom, as we know. <clears throat> and sometimes it's just about telling us exactly what God feels about people who are foolish, people who are disagreeable, people who are not content in anything. They would rather just make trouble. And that's kind of what these two passages speak about. In Proverbs 18:2, let's read those two passages, 2 and 3, verses 2 and 3. Fools have no interest in understanding. 
They only want to air their own opinions. And then verse 3, doing wrong leads to disgrace and scandalous behavior brings contempt. And, of course, if you continue in the Proverbs, you always hear about what wise people do and what fools will do. What people who are wrong, people who maintain something even though they're wrong, they'll try to keep things up and they won't admit they're wrong. They'll always think they're right. These are the types of descriptions that we have of these behaviors, right? So, um, fools have no interest in understanding. They don't, you can't talk to a fool. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to. They only want to give their own opinions they think they're right. They're only being foolish in their assessments. Or, and these are people you should you know, rightfully avoid. And when you're doing wrong, it does lead to disgrace. It may be a delayed disgrace, but it still leads to disgrace. Scandalous behavior brings contempt. Um, no one likes a person who is dishonest. No one wants to be around someone who feels like they have to try to game somebody or trick someone into getting their way. We have people around us like this all the time. Make sure that you guard your hearts and guard yourself uh, and be protected as much as you can be uh, against those individuals. If you, you don't do business with someone like that, don't associate yourself with someone like that. Associate with people who, frankly, are trying to do what's right. Do what's good. That's exactly what we should learn from this particular passage right away. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time that you've given us. Lord, we pray that again you will just help us to be prayerful and rely upon the Spirit as we take in the information from the Word that you give us each time. May we reflect in prayer on what you're saying to us. And we thank you for the teaching and the instruction. We thank you, Lord, for the ways to live our lives in such a way where we honor and glorify you. And we give you all the praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me for this 15-minute devotional. Uh, the time frame, obviously, for our reading the scriptures and comments goes beyond 15 minutes. But may you take this seriously enough to be in the Word every single day, reading and studying. It really does only take about 15 minutes of your time to develop good habits in the Word. Take care of yourself. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.